This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanks St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Okay, Ephesians uh, chapter 3. I probably want to complete it this morning, but we've been talking over the last weeks about the, the Father heart of God. And I want to talk about this morning, and it kind of fits in with the word we heard, about having a revelation of, of the Father's love. We spoke about a kind of veil, and I think sometimes there can almost be this veil, this, this sort of screen over our eyes, that we don't kind of grasp things in, in the depth of our hearts. And, and I want to pray this morning about really... Uh, receiving a, a revelation of the, of the Father's love. Anyway, Ephesians chapter 3. It's interesting, this is Paul's prayer for the church. This isn't some sort of sideline. This is a, an actual prayer that Paul prayed for the church, which meant it's, it's of vital importance. So Ephesians 3 verse 14 are these words. For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, now to him, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work in us. Okay, we'll leave it there. That awesome prayer. I just love that prayer. One of the things he's praying, as you look at it, he prays that we will be strengthened. Almost that whatever we face, whatever challenge we face, that we would prevail over it. There will be a prevailing spirit, if you like. There will be a, a regirding, a, a strengthening of the heart to face the circumstances and challenges that we face. And so Paul's saying how we can be strengthened. And one of the ways he tells us that we can be strengthened is that we have a revelation of the love of God. There's something about that revelation that strengthens us in our inner man. Jesus kind of spoke of the last days. He says, in the last days, men's love is going to wax cold. Their love is going to... Oh, yeah, yeah. Because of circumstances and things that happen in people's lives, often it creates this waxing cold. In other words, we become desensitized. That we don't really have the ability to love. We, we can't feel love because we've been so hurt and, and things have happened, challenges, disappointments, all kinds of things happen in our life. And the end result is that our hearts become desensitized. We, we don't feel love anymore because we've been, almost become immune to it. And Jesus says in the last days, that's the way people's hearts will be. People's hearts will wax cold. They, they won't have an ability to, to really, really feel and experience love. And so that's why Paul's praying. I'm praying that you'd have a revelation. I think if you look at verse, I think it's verse 3 or 4 of Ephesians, he, he speaks about the mystery. The mystery of the things of God. You know what a mystery is? A mystery is something that in your, 
is that you can't see it unless God reveals it to you. A mystery is not something you'll never grasp or, or never understand. A mystery is something that you'll never get it until God reveals it to you. That's a mystery. And Paul talks of, of a mystery that was revealed to him. The mystery of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles was a mystery because people couldn't grasp it or see it, but God had revealed it to Paul. And he's now having that same concept and saying, I pray that the mystery of God's love would be revealed to you by the Spirit. You would have a, you'd have a revelation of it. You'd grasp it. You'd see how much you are loved by the Father. How many realize, I think the greatest need of, of people today is that we, we need a supernatural encounter with the love of God. Can you say amen? That's what we, we, we kind of really, really desperately need. Kind of sounds simple, but I think a lot of people have never kind of ever really got it or really grasped the true depth, never really had a true heart-to-heart revelation of the Father's love for them. If you look there, in, I think it's verse 15. As he begins this prayer, he says, From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You think about it. Really, where do you get your identity from? You get actually your identity from your, in the natural sense, from your father. That's where you get your, I got my name, John Roddis, from my father, Dennis Roddis, is that right? That's where we kind of get that identity from. Identity is an important thing because if you, if you don't really know who you are and you haven't really grasped your identity, it leads to things like insecurity and fear. Insecurity and fear is a result of not really knowing who you are. And Paul's recognizing that until we grasp that, that we'll always struggle with insecurities, we'll struggle with fears. And that will always be so much part of us until we encounter the love of God. Ask yourself this question at the core of your heart. You ever feel, you know, why do I feel so insecure? Why do I respond the way I respond? Why do I do what I do? And often the result of that is at the core of our being, there's never been that unveiling, that revealing of the depths of our heart of how much we are loved by God. It's almost the foundation of a strong life in God is to have a revelation of how much you're loved by the Father. Can you say amen? And he uses two words to kind of if you like, put this into our hearts. He uses two words. The first one he says, he says that you would be rooted in love. I'm praying that you'll be rooted in the love of God. And that's really an illustration of a tree. A tree may not seem that big, but the strength of a tree lies in its roots. Is that right? And if the roots of a tree are strong then it doesn't really matter how powerful the storm might be, how strong the winds are, etc., etc. If the roots of that tree are strong, it will be stable when the storms come. And Paul's saying, I'm praying that the roots of your inner being will draw from God's love for you. 
And that's the realm of the love of God we need to be rooted in. Because when you're rooted in the love of God, you can actually say that whatever comes your way, I'm confident that God loves me. Because that's the real issue, isn't it? It's when the storms come. It's when the struggles come. Do you still have confidence that God loves you? When things appear to go so badly wrong in your life, are you still confident that God loves you? And Paul is praying that you'll be so rooted in the love of God that when things happen that we don't understand things, are beyond our comprehension, when things go wrong, things fall apart in our life, we will still have utter confidence that we are loved by God. I think another word for root would be established. You're established because when it's a revelation, nothing will take it from you. Is that right? If it's not a revelation, it will be easily pulled out of you when the storms of life come. But when you have a true revelation of the love of God, it becomes rooted and so established in your life that nothing can ever make you kind of question that you are loved by God. Established in that. That's what revelation does. It roots you in the love of God. I remember when I, when I was at Bible college, this is going back, oh, that's a long time, maybe at least 10 years ago. No, it was a long time ago. You know, I used to say that years ago, and I used to feel old even when I said that, but now it's, I, don't even, I don't even measure it by years now. But the job I had at college was to, we used to dig up trees. I thought that was our job, to dig up trees. We used to, we used to have what they call work periods early on. And the job we had to do, I had to dig up trees. It, I can't tell how amount of, how, the amount of time it took us to dig up a tree. Weeks and weeks and weeks because of the roots that went so deep into the ground. And that's the way God wants you to be. That your roots go so deep into his love that nothing pulls you out of that situation. Next word he uses is the word grounded, which describes a building. The unseen system of building is the foundation. That's the most, most important part of the building, believe it or not. If the foundation's not right there. I remember years ago, we, there was often, the, I think it was in Stoke actually, where, where houses were built on mines. And houses used to kind of fall through. Because unbeknown, years before, they'd been built on mines that went very deep into the ground. And often people couldn't sell their houses because of the, of, of the mines under, under their houses. So family realize that foundation is an important thing. And Paul's saying that the foundation of your life will be built on the love of God. That you'd know how that special you are. You would know how valued you are by God. In other words, a strong spiritual life is built on the foundation and the revelation of God's love for you. That's how you build your life. If you don't build your Christian life on that foundation, it will never really be secure. It will never really stand. It will never really be able for you to build other things on it. It's got to be a revelation in your heart. I was just thinking what Jesus, what Peter said to Jesus. He says, Jesus... You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. How many remember that? Notice what Jesus said to him. 
It says to him, Peter, on this rock, which he meant himself, not... He meant Jesus, the rock. So I'm going to build my church. He says, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, you didn't get it by just human intellect. You got it because that was a revelation from Father. And that is the same thing we need for the love of God. We need a revelation that is not revealed to us by our feelings or our circumstances, but a revelation from God that impacts your heart, that causes you to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Now, often that kind of sounds fairly obvious. But you'll be amazed at how many Christians really don't build their life on the unconditional love of God. Paul puts it this way. He says, you know, the love of God constrains me. He says, that's my motive. That's the reason I do what I do. It's because I'm compelled to do it because I've experienced, I've had a revelation of God's love for me. And often... Until we get that kind of rooted and grounded in that love, we can be motivated by other things. It can be for approval, as I mentioned last week. It it, it could be, we can be driven by the fear of failure. How many people are driven because they're afraid to fail? People can be driven and motivated by all kinds of things that never really succeed. And the only true motivation to work and minister for God is out of his love for us. And when I get a revelation, that is the true thing that will last in life. When you've got that revelation of God's love for you. Anything else other than that creates wrong reasons and wrong motives in our own walk with God. John 17, verse 26. I just think this is, again, when you understand the depths of this, what an amazing promise. John 17. Verse 26. This is the great high priest prayer of Jesus. In John 17, verse 26, Jesus says, this is the great prayer. He says, And I have declared to to them your name, and I will declare it, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Isn't that awesome? The thing that really sustained the ministry of Jesus was he felt this continual love of the Father for him. He continually surrendered to do the things that please the Father. He lived out of a continual revelation of the Father's love for him. That was the pattern of Jesus. That has to be our pattern. How do you really sustain a walk with God? How, you do, how do you sustain yourself in the midst of, of challenges and difficulties and problems? How do you sustain yourself in the midst of that? I think it comes of having this revelation of God. Something that is so deep inside you, it strengthens you and empowers you. I read the story the other day, I think I may have shared it before, about a couple in, in Indonesia very strong Muslim country. And this couple in Indonesia planted a cell church in Jakarta. That's where they planted a cell in Indonesia, planted a cell. The, the guy, the husband, used to go out and he, and he preached the gospel. He would go out and preach the gospel in the streets. On one occasion, he was attacked 
And he, he, by, by, he was actually attacked by Muslims and hacked to death and killed. The cell leaders and his wife took his body back to the house. Again, this is a true story. I'm not making this up. This is a true story. As they were washing his wounds, crying in pain, discouragement, as they, they were washing his wounds of his body, the wife prayed this prayer. Lord, please forgive those who have committed this, who have done this to my husband. I pray that his blood may be a seed for souls for you. You know what? Within, within I think, about six months, 1,000 people were saved and added to their church. How do you believe? But how in the natural do you accomplish such a thing? It's when the love of God gets you. And this is this incredible prayer. Because Jesus is praying the same love that took him to the cross will be the same love that will be in you. Isn't that awesome? That same love would be in you. The same love that compelled him to do the things he did will be in you. And I think this, that when you've got a revelation of the love of God, it will compel you to do things that you never thought possible. Because his love will be burning in your heart with such a passionate revelation, so burning in you, you'll be amazed at things that you do. You'll look back and think, I can't believe I did that. You know why you did it? Because the love of God so empowered your heart. Our modern day missionary really work is, really comes down, it comes back from the Moravians. The Moravians, you may remember those people who had a 100 year, every day for 24 Every day, 24-7, for 100 years, they prayed. For 100 years. And they sent missionaries all over the world. One of the great stories of that period is where a couple actually sold themselves into slavery so they could witness the slaves. And on the boat, there's this famous cry. That was, actually, they wrote a song after it years later. And the cry was this, that the lamb who was slain might receive the reward of his suffering. How in the natural do you do so? Because you're compelled. You've had such a revelation of how much you're loved by God. You're secure. There's a strength. There's an enabling to do things you never thought you could do. Let's go back to Ephesians 3. Notice what he says here. He says that you, and he uses two terms about knowing the love of God. Knowing the love of the Father. He says, I, he said, I pray that you will comprehend, verse 18, the love. That word comprehend means that you would have a firm mental grasp. Or you would lay hold of something in your mind. It really describes a, a grasping mentally an idea of truth. And Paul's praying that that you would lay hold of the love of Christ with your minds. You would consider its breadth, its length, its depth, and its height. And I think we need to constantly apply our minds to dwell on a continual basis on how much God loves us. Can you say amen? Now think about this. He talks about how, how actually, how broad... That love is, that you'd comprehend with your minds how broad the love is. Ever thought how broad that love is? 
Revelation, I love reading through Revelation. Revelation 7, 9 talks. And he talks of people before the throne. You know what this incredible description there in verse 9? It says, multitudes of multitudes of multitudes. There's so many people, you can't even number them. Isn't that going to be awesome on that day? Tribes from every nation, over thousands and thousands of years, have come to Christ, are going to be before the throne. And their number is so vast, so great, it's beyond number. That tells me how broad the love of God that it touches everybody. Isn't that amazing? The length, mentioned a few weeks ago, Jeremiah 31, verse 3. I've loved you with an everlasting love. A love that never changes. A love that never gives up. A love that never lets go. Love that will not let me go. That's how powerful that love is. It's a love. We're told about that depth of love. No matter how deep or how, how deep your pain goes into your heart. The love of God is deeper. I think I shared a few weeks ago, uh, mentioned by Cotterton Boom, when she was in that Holocaust, in that camp, concentration camp. Almost, she said, it was, it was almost hell itself in that camp, the most darkest place on the face of the earth you could ever be in. And she, and she uses that description. She says that she discovered this, that no matter how deep any pit is, the love of God always goes deeper. Isn't that awesome? That's true for us. No matter how deep our situation is, the love of God will always go deeper. That you would know, you'd have a revelation of how deep that love is. You'd know the height of that love. How high that love is. That love can take you over anything that throws at you. It's higher than anything that happens in life. And Paul's saying you need to visualize that love. You need to meditate and think on the scriptures that tell you how much God loves you. You need to, on a daily, continual basis, meditate, think on it, set your mind on it, not focus on your problems, not focus on those things against you, just meditate and think of how much you're loved by God. And it just transforms your life. When I survey the wondrous cross, when when was the last time you surveyed the depth of God's love for you? The other word he uses, he talks about And it's kind of contradictory. It says it passes beyond knowledge. In other words, it's not just a knowledge you you gain in your mind, but it's gained by a supernatural encounter. It's the realm of experience that we're experiencing that love. We're being bathed in that love. We're being filled with that love. You know, really deep in every person's heart, We don't really just want head knowledge, and that's part of it, but we don't just want that. Every single person in the depth of their being wants a personal encounter with that love. Is that right? Because that's what we were created for. We were created to encounter and experience that love. And Paul's saying, I pray that by revelation, that you would experience at the very core of your being that you are truly loved and how much you are loved by God. Now, the word that, that is used for love, and I mentioned again a few weeks ago that the Greeks, bless their hearts, uh, had lots of words to describe love. Uh, we've only got one word, love. You know, I love you, my darling, but I love the dinner. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's very limited, the word love, in our English language. But the Greeks never had that. They had different words for love. They had the word 
eros, which means sexual love. Storage, which means affectionate love among family members. Isn't it true that you have a special love for members of your family? Is that right? There's a special kind of love there. There's a a definition. It's a word philia, which means friendship love. As I said, the word agape, which defines the love of God, is unconditional love. A love that is not based on conditions. In other words, that love, according to Romans 5, verse 5, has been poured into our hearts. An unconditional love. And when you encounter that love, it changes you, it transforms you, and changes your love forever. You understand your identity. Fears go. Anxiety goes. All things that, 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 that hold you back suddenly disappear as you begin to encounter and experience the agape, unconditional love for God. Amen? Let me just define agape, unconditional love. First thing I want to say about agape love, it's a love that is totally committed. God says, I'm committed to you no matter what you do. It's not based on conditions. It's a love that, that doesn't say, you follow such and such a condition, I'll love you. It's a, it's, it's, it's a love that's so committed, it's not based on certain conditions. It's a love that originates from God. It's supernatural, eternal, unlimited, above and beyond reason, without restrictions. You'll find that love is connected. The Bible uses the word loving kindness. It's committed to mercy. In other words, it's a love that we don't deserve, we don't earn. It's agape, unconditional love. Isn't that amazing? Secondly, it's a love that always goes the extra mile. Agape love always goes that extra mile. How do I know that? Because God continually forgives us. He doesn't say, I forgive you once and that's it. Is that right? Or, I forgive you five times and there's the limit of your forgiveness. If you go beyond that, you've had it. God always goes the extra mile. And that's why I love the word restoration. How many pray for restoration for different things in your life? The word restoration isn't just means that you get it as it was. The word restoration means that when God restores it, it's always better than what it was. Because God always goes the extra mile. Agape, unconditional love. Unconditional love, agape love, is perfectly demonstrated through Jesus. You think about this. That when you look at the cross of Calvary, that is God saying, that's the kind of love I love you with. Unconditional, unmerited, undeserved love. That's the kind of love that I want you to encounter. Now, quickly, you think about this. Why is this so important? Because in God, you never start something to become. Why don't you get a hold of that? See, a lot of people try to, be, to start something to become. In other words, they, they, they say, look, if, if I could just do this and I'll become that, find in the business world, don't we? If you want to succeed in a certain aspect of the business world or the secular world, then you become something and then when you kind of do something, then you become it. So I want to, I don't know, I want to go high up in my particular sphere of, of geography. As I do it better, then I become it. Nothing wrong with that. But in the Christian walk, you first of all become something before you do it. 
You become something before you do it. Let me tell you what I mean. You are accepted, so you become a secure person. Because you've been accepted, and because you, 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 you become that, then you begin to live and be an accepted person. You become before you do. How many want to live a righteous life before God? You have to become righteous before you do and, be, and, and start act right, to act righteously. You become it before you do it. And I think so much of the things of God, in other words, I, I'm a son of God, and out of the fact I'm a son of God, I then serve God. I don't serve God to become a son of God. I'm a son of God, so I serve God. It's out of who I am, and out of who I am is what I do. And he's going to see, if you never see it, if you never receive it, if you never become something, then you can't do something you haven't become. And this goes back to the love of God. How can I truly love people if I've never first of all received it? If I've never really become it? I can only do what I've become. And that's why God wants to so saturate you in his love, because that's what you become. You become love because you, because you do love. You become love, so you do love. You become what you do. And so God wants you to encounter that love, because as you encounter that love, you begin to do love. Because you become love. If you never become love, then you never do love. You've got to get a revelation to become it and to do it. And I'm not just talking about natural kind of love. I'm talking about the kind of love that's going to impact our world. In our world, there's a lot of people doing good things. Is that right? And it's just in our workplace. We meet great people, lovely people. Is that right? Lovely people. Great people. So that means... So I've got to have something extra different to what everybody else has got. Is that right? And the only love that can actually make that difference, that can actually be an influence, an impact on people, where they see a difference, is supernatural love. That's the only thing that's going to make people realize and recognize we have something different. Is that right? We have agape, unconditional love. Because most people in our world love out of condition. Is that right? That you see something in that person that makes you love that person. But what about when that reason for love is removed? The people still love. Because love often, people love for a reason. But the love of God has no reason, no conditions. And that's the kind of love that God wants us to release in our world. Can you say amen? Unconditional, agape love. We get saturated with the agape love of God. Turn me to 1 John 4 verse 16. The Epistle of John is a, is a book of just incredible statements about the love of God. Here's an amazing statement here, 1 John 4, 16. It says, and we, verse 16, and we, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Love has been 
perfected among us in this, that we may have the boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. I think that's a powerful statement right there. Two Greek words for, for the word knowing. The word gnosis, which is intellectual knowledge. Expanosis is experiencing it with knowledge. How do I know which I have? How do I know whether I have intellectual knowledge of love or experienced knowledge of love? How do I know which one I've got? You know how you know? If you're still full of fear, if you're still full of anxiety, if you're still struggling with identity, if you're still very, very insecure, and you've only got head knowledge, head knowledge of love, you're not really experiencing it. Because what does it say there? Perfect love casts out fear. We don't fear because we're encountering his love. If we fear, that means I'm not really... That area of my life where I'm struggling with fear is the area that I've not really received love in that area, in that part of my being. That area where I'm struggling with fear is the one area where I've never really had an encounter with that love in that area. That's a powerful truth. And John says you've got to believe in that love and you've got to know that love. Because the moment we believe that love... The moment we know that love, that means that love says, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to be overcome by that fear. I'm not going to be overcome by that circumstance because I know who I am. I've experienced, I've had a revelation and I know that love. I believe that love. I put my trust in that love. I lay my life upon that love. The perfect love begins to invade us. And all the things that once caused us to be so fearful, so tormented, so overwhelmed by, begins to be driven out because we've had a true revelation and we trust in the love of God. We trust that no matter what comes our way, love ultimately will always overwhelm, will always overcome. We trust that no matter what happens, God will always cause it to work together for good for those that love him because we trust and we place our confidence and we know that we are loved by the Father in heaven. Can you say amen right there? In fact, the greatest way to know how much that love has impacted you will always result by obedience. If you love me, you will keep what? My commandments. In other words, as I get a revelation of that love, the true result of that is I just want to obey him. Not because I feel it's forced. Not even because I fear the consequences of not obeying him. I obey him because I've experienced that love. I've had a revelation of his love for me. And out of that comes a new desire to obey. You know, sometimes we don't obey. Because we don't know, we don't trust. We don't obey because sometimes we think that we'll be the losers. If we really fully surrender everything to Jesus, maybe I might lose out somewhere in life. But when I know he loves me, I know I'll always be a winner. 
I know it will always be ultimately for my benefit. And out of that comes a new thrust and power of obedience. How many have found, how many realize that love means to take a risk? Let me, as I must close, let me just quote to you C.S. Lewis. That sounds intellectual, doesn't it? But I love what he said about love. And how that when you love, it, it causes you to make yourself vulnerable. That's what he says. He says to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket of your selfishness. But in the casket, safe, dark, motionless, it changed. It will be not broken. It will not become unbreakable, unpenetrable, unredeemable. To love is to make oneself vulnerable. For that I could pay love. Willing to reach and take risks for love. Can you say amen? Let me close with this. Romans 5 verse 5. This is what Paul desires for us. Romans four, sorry, Romans five, verse five. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love, the agape love of God, has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. That word "poured" there means spilling, and Paul is emphasising the lavishness which God has flooded our hearts. The heart of the believers are regarded as being so infused with the love of God, it controls and captivates their hearts. It's almost wave after wave of fatherly affection. It's just overwhelming your heart. And the key is to say, open your heart and say, Lord, pour your love in. Pour your love in. You thought about this, about a river. A river will always it always goes to the lowest part. It always goes to the lowest point, doesn't it? The lowest part. And I've often discovered in my own life, often when you're in your, your lowest part in life, sometimes when the things that you've been relying on and trusting are suddenly pulled out of you, the things that you trusted in, things that you relied on, are just kind of pulled out of you. And you're, you're just struggling and you're hurting and, and broken. Where's the good news? Love River always reaches the lowest part, and so does the love of God. It always comes to the lowest part. When we're in that place, we're broken and humility, and we're just throwing ourselves upon God. It's then that the love of the Father comes, because he always comes to the lowly. He always comes to that lowest point. That's where the love of God begins to be poured in. That's what God wants to do, the Father wants to do this morning. He wants to infuse you saturate the whole of your being with the love of the Father. You only love him because he first loved you. And so you're just saturated with his love. And out of the love that he saturates you with, you love him. And out of the love that you love him with, you begin to love others. And also you begin to love yourself. That's a good one, isn't it? You love yourself. 
And it transforms, it changes, it influences, it impacts, it changes. The things that once ruled us, the one things that once controlled us, the one things that once dictate to us and rule our lives are broken. So I had a revelation. I'm special. I'm loved. I'm valued by Father God himself. Let's just come before him right now. John 14. Just as our heads are bowed this morning, just as we come before the Lord. Jesus says, I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. In other words, he says, I will make my love for you so real. I'll make my love for you real. So real. So alive. We don't love that's distant and far removed. Something that's just something that we that we just intellectualize, but also something that we experience and encounter. Just open your heart today and say, Lord, please fill me with your love. Let me encounter it. I'm struggling. Challenges are rising up. And I just need to know in the depth of my heart that I'm loved by you. Infuse me. Let me experience it. Let me encounter it. Wash away all my hurts, all my pains. Come to the lowest, lowest part of my being and just saturate me with the love of the Father. Hallelujah. We celebrate liberty. The only real thing that brings liberty is to experience the love of the Father. Because then all the chains that bind us and hold us are, are broken because we've, we've known and experienced that love. Father, I pray right now for every, every person gathered here. Father, I pray that, that you would bring a revelation that would cause us to be rooted and grounded in your love. We realize today, Lord, that you love us with, with this amazing love. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. But, Lord, it's out of your incredible mercy that you love us today. And we just thank you, Lord, for that love that you have for us. Lord, we want, to be, we want to be established in that love today. Lord, we want all the lies of the evil one to be broken over our minds and over our hearts. To know that we're cherished and loved by you. And out of that, Lord, that we will love you. We will obey you. We will serve you. We will be all that you've called us to be because we know that we have known and we have believed the love that God has for us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank him for his love right now. That's a good way to get love in your heart. Begin to thank him for the fact you're loved. And then, you know, I'll tell you something good. Sing many songs about his love. Just pound your heart with scriptures. Pound your heart with love songs. Pound your heart with all the truths of God's love for you. Let it soften the heart. The heart that can, be so, that can become so hardened by the disappointments of life. Let his love saturate and soften your heart. Be overwhelmed and overcome. That is amazing. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information, or to contact us, 
please visit our website at delanceelim.co.uk.